Isn't it awesome that we can sing a song that says he is the hope to all nations? I think it's awesome. It is the message that each and every one of us have the great privilege of sharing. I like what Proverbs 6, 16 through 19 says. Thank you. You could turn in your Bibles if you would, please, with me, or you can and stay right where you're at. But I like what it says there in Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 19. These things does the Lord hate. Seven are what? An abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Feet that be swift in running to mischief. A false witness that speaks lies, and he that stirs up, or a man who stirs up dissension among his brothers. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Liar, liar, pants on fire, hanging on a telephone wire. You guys are looking at me like... I. What are you talking about? I never said that. Oh, yes, you did. As soon as you were old enough to know that your brother or your sister or somebody wasn't telling the truth, that's the first thing you did. I had it memorized. Now, my sister isn't here today, but I always tease her. She said yesterday at the wedding we were at, well, you know, we we met the, the bride who was a twin and her twin sister was there. And so Tracy said, Which one's the good twin and the bad twin? See, because in our world, he was the good twin, I was the bad twin. And I said, you can't say that. Well, even though if they didn't tell the truth, I was always saying, liar, liar, pants on fire, hanging on a telephone wire. I had it memorized, and I called her out on it. Isn't it amazing? Just the little, little things that as you start to grow up, you realize just what a lie is. You know, I was so convicted over this because I've been, I don't know about you, but by a show of hands, since we've been going through this series on lying, have you kind of watched or heard just to see, come on, help me out, you can admit it and you're in the church, but I know I have. Watch how you tell a story. Watch what you say. Don't draw it out. Don't exaggerate it. I went fishing and that fish was this big and it took all I had. It drug me through the water and no, it didn't. The bluegill was that big, so let's be honest, okay? You're just trying to justify the reason you got home late because you were out on the lake for three or four hours. Come on, we know how that goes. And uh, But anyhow, we, we realize that with lying comes, you know, this expectation that people have. And so this is going to be a two-part series. Next week I'll be doing part two, and it's real interesting, some of my notes. I almost have that whole message completed, but it's, it's really neat. Listen, a lawyer invites his... Uh, cousin from the Czech Republic to come and stay with him in Canada. Soon they decide to go hiking in the woods. Suddenly, a big grizzly bear appears. The bear kills the Czech cousin and then eats him. 
The lawyer runs to the nearest village and tells everybody what has happened. The villagers form a search party and return to the forest. They come across some bears and ask the lawyer to identify the one that killed his cousin. It's that female bear over there is what he said. They kill the bear and rip open her stomach and there's nothing in there. They decide to kill the male bear nearby and when they rip open his stomach, they find the poor Czech cousin. Here's the lesson to be learned. The check is in the mail. The check is in the mail has to be one of the top lies in America. Think about it. People always say when the bill collector calls, the check is in the mail. Why do we have to lie? No, here's the reality. I don't have money this week to pay my bill. Well, sir, we're shutting you down. Get the logs out because you're going to start a campfire. We're so afraid of the outcome of a lie. And so, you know, that is the number one comment that is said in America today. And it's a lie. The check is in the mail. I always love when I hear that because it is funny. Lying is and always has been a human epidemic. It transcends all ages, cultures, religions, and classes. It is as natural as breathing, but it is wrong. The Bible has much to say about lying. It is as broad and deep, it's a very broad and deep subject. In light of its extensive nature, we can only address some of its considerations today. And, and the reason why I said that is because if you'll notice who in the world, I've been pastoring now here for 12 years, but I've been an associate pastor, so I think this is my 24th year, but whatever, it's, it's amazing for me because when, when you put down some of the information on trying to, to put together a message and you realize, can you really make a message about lying that could be so extensive? And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, there's just different ways that you can, can look at it. Last week we lie about doctrine. So many churches do that and they, don't, they just don't adhere to really what the Word of God has to say. And so today as we, as we look into the Scriptures, all of us struggle with lying. And yet some of us have surrendered to it. Understand lying is a first step toward being victorious over the sin. Have you ever met somebody and they go, watch what you say to that person. They're a a habitual liar. I have. I think, Pastor, I'm the only one in the building that's ever met a habitual liar. There's some that work in car lots. (laughs) And everybody always has that stigma about the car salesman. He never holds up to his deal. Well, that's because he has to come back to you 14 times. You can't remember what he said, so start recording it. You know, let me see what I can work out for you. Let me see what I can work out for you. Let me see what I can work out for you. And you know what? Uh, uh, And some of you that are in the automobile industry will appreciate this. If more people would come into the dealership and be honest with the salesman, he would be able to sell you a car. Okay, I just thought I'd, I knew I'd get an amen out of that one. And, uh, but, you know, lying is a spectrum, point number one. Meaning a spectrum, it has two extremes and opposite points. God's word gives us principles to weigh against one another. Here they are. A scriptural principle. In Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 16, it says, Be not overly righteous and do not make yourself too wise 
Why should you destroy yourself? Here, here we go. I, I love that scripture verse. Because so many guys and so many girls that are just so full of pride will stretch who they are, stretch what they do. And it's always really interesting to me. And we need to really check that out. Now watch this. Wow. What do you do for a living? Are you a doctor or an attorney, Todd? No. Wow. You sure dress nice. Now this is, this is a true heavy. Nope. Um, um, I'm a pastor. Now, ready? Now, this is this really brings in the, the pride. And I clean toilets for a living. Way back when, when I was in my 20s and we started the business, this is our 24th year in, in having Tackett's Professional Cleaning, but uh, it's so funny because people would say, so what do you guys do for a living? I couldn't come up with something. Well, I could make it like domestic engineer. That's what I heard. But I'm a more of a corporate engineer. That didn't sound right. But now I'm only giving you that illustration to let you know, isn't it amazing how we will fabricate something and tell somebody what makes the difference? We're all out making a living. This week I was down there on my hands and knees cleaning around a toilet. And I was counseling, and I did a wedding, and I was with, so mix it all together, I don't know what it makes me, tired. But I'll tell you this, we don't have to fabricate our lifestyle just because we're there to impress somebody, or we're afraid of what the outcome's going to be, because the reality is this, God gave you certain giftings. I ran into a lady in, in Acme, in the Ellet Acme, and... Uh, and as soon as I saw her, I'm like, Miss Brown. She's like, Todd. She was my fifth grade teacher. That's why she went, Todd. And uh, as, when I saw her, she goes, I haven't seen you in years. What are you doing these days? This is about 10 years ago. And I said, well, I own a janitorial custodial company, and I'm an associate pastor. She said, I knew it. I knew you were going to be a cleaning guy. I go, why do you say that, Miss Brown? And she said, because out of all the years that I was at Southeast Elementary, you are the only one that ever came to my classroom, cleaned my desk, cleaned my... You'd stay in from recess just to organize and clean the place. I said, you know what? You're right. I had forgotten about that. You know, isn't it amazing? Because God gives us giftings, but yet we're afraid to let people see who we are. So we'll fabricate it. We'll lie about it. You know, I always find it real interesting, too. You're in sports, for some that are in sports. You know, we fabricate the scores. We fabricate, fabricate our ability to let other people believe that we're better than we are. Let me give you another illustration of that. I, you know, was a water skier. And I'm not a water skier any longer. I'm 47 years of age. You don't get out on the water unless you're skiing all the time. And so I used to slalom ski. And it was really cool, you know, when you're young. So what do you do? Well, I'm a water skier. I go out to a professional lake and blah, blah, blah. You know, that, you, know you get real puffed up, all 126 pounds of what I was. And uh, so then, you know, you get out there. So you do the slalom course. How do you do it? I mean, wow. Do you, I mean, do you, do you go to where the, your rope is shortened and do you ski competitively? Are you in a tournament? You know, I knew they were going to ask that question. No, I just do it recreationally, you know. 
all of a sudden we go from here to here because that's what we do. That's just who we are. That's how we fabricate. That's our makeup. Because the Bible says there's none righteous. No, not one. All of us are like that. You know, I told my wife, what matters most in life is that, number one, we know Jesus is our Savior. That we have the hope of heaven. That he is Lord most high. And that he brings hope to all of the nations. See, we've lost the sense of who we are. America today is so caught up with habitually lying and being hypocritical that we don't even realize who we are. Yes, it's humbling. I've been fired. But we go home and we tell our family, well, I gave my two weeks notice and every day you get up and you, you go hide somewhere because you sure don't want your family or anybody else to know you just got fired. But maybe because you got terminated, it was for your own good so that God could then mold you and make you and give you another opportunity. Wouldn't it be great if we could just go around and go, yeah, I kneeboard and I slalom ski, but I stink at it. Really? Okay, that really brings up a conversation. Yeah, guess what? I was habitually late to work every week, and so guess what? I got terminated. I'm really proud of that. We don't do that. (laughs) I mean, do we ever admit our wrongs? We don't. So we notice that there's always a scriptural scriptural principle. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 2, it says there's a scriptural example. So here's what the Lord said to Samuel. How long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. There in 1 Samuel, we notice that even in the life of Samuel, he was a prophet. And yet God really rose him up to be able to lead against the uh, Ammonites and Melanites and all the other knights that are out there. And, and so, but if he hadn't listened to the Lord and he would have fabricated it, the, the nation of Israel would have never been freed. And so what we learn from his life is that you must be an example. See, We want to fabricate things. We want to make things look bigger and better than they are. I told you last week in the message I always love. So, question, how many people do you run in your church? Up at pastor's conference, they don't care who you are, where you're from. They just want to know how many people you run. I don't know why, because it's comparing themselves with other men. I run five. Do you know when Pastor Roberto walked in today and he said, I took over a church of eight people, I said, I am so proud of you. I reached out my hand, I shook his hand, and I said, I'm glad you accepted the call that God gave you. He's not about numbers. He's about individuals. He's about people. And so we fabricate, and and we live in a society, if the pastor isn't the example of righteousness, like God is the example of righteousness, then what kind of society and culture are we building within the church? Because we go to work, and we live like hell. And when you do that, what ends up happening is everybody else sees it, and then they start to say, I don't want to know anything about truth. I don't want to know anything about who Jesus is because they sure do not exemplify or mirror who he is. So we look in the life of Samuel, realize that he's a scriptural example. 
Exodus 20:16 says this, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. See, there's a difference between truth and whole truth. We must consider what someone has a right to know. And listen, church, it's okay to withhold information. Isn't, isn't it hard to look at somebody and say, it's none of your business? See, in our society, that's just not ethical to look at something. Well, man, that guy's rude. He's not rude, but maybe they don't want to tell you the truth because it's none of your business. Wow, that really changes some things. And so when you look at that, you have to understand that there was a woman that I used to visit in a nursing home. She would ask, so where are my children? The response was either truth or the whole truth. Be honest or tell a lie. Oh, where's your wife today? Yesterday we went to the wedding and some of them said, oh, where's Becky today? And I looked right at him and I said, I got to tell you, it's too humid out here. You guys know my wife. She has big hair. If she can't have big hair and the humidity gets to it, it's going to get curly and ugly and she will not come. Do you know what they said? That's Becky. We love that about her. And guess what? I even walked out with a perm yesterday because it was outside. I'm like, where'd that afro come from? And, uh, but it was funny because I said that to two people. And they, they were just like, oh, okay, but that's Becky. We get it. And I said, it was just smoldering hot like a sauna. And, uh, but it turned out to be a beautiful wedding. But what we have a tendency to do is... Is to fabricate it. Listen, I'm here to, if I'm going to confess my faults and be transparent with all of you, you guys got to do the same thing. My wife's going to say to me later, they're all going to think if I don't ever show up that they're going to think my hair's going to go droopy or something. It doesn't, it just goes curly. And, uh, but what I'm trying to tell you is this. Even though it was important for this dear lady, and every time I went to see Grandma Lucille, and she would say to me, where are the girls? I would tell her, well, they're in school or this is what they're doing or they have events going on or whatever. And, and so I was being honest and truthful with her. See, we have such a tendency because we're afraid of the outcome. I, and I love this because one thing about pastoring is this. So I'm down in Florida and we're at the pool. Now, people ask, why do you go to Florida? Number one, my mom has been there for 20 Five years and so we've been kind of acclimated into that's kind of our other home so we go down there and we hang out there and we know where the restaurants are and, but I will tell you this it's nice to go to certain places and people don't know who you are here's how the story goes so all of a sudden you know I'm laying out at the pool and I see these ladies that are mature of age yes, okay I know I didn't say old ladies. I said mature of age. And uh, so they're all together. They're from all over. They're best friends. And all of a sudden, you know, I was kind of watching. And they're just having a great time. And I would see them get up. One doesn't have a key. And I could tell that it was difficult for some to get up. And it was just, you know, a few of us at the pool. And so I would get up. And I'd go over to the gate. And I would open up the gate for them and say, oh, they're like, oh, thank you, young man. Well, that was the real reason I was doing it. Because they kept saying, thank you, young man. And, uh... So I would open it, and they're over there joking, and they would make comments to my wife, and, and uh, oh, he's so handsome and cute, and I really felt like I was 20 again. And, uh, but 
at the very end of the week, here it comes. Wow, so how long are you here? Where are you from? Blah, blah, blah. So what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a full-time pastor. I said, I'm a pastor. The women all looked at each other and said, did we say something we shouldn't have said? And they're all freaking out over there. Well, let me ask you a question. Are we honest all the time? Are we honest with ourselves? Do we live a life that really is a great example to other people? Or do we live a life that's a lie? You see, I didn't act any different with him. I wasn't out there, you know, having my 24-pack of Bud or Miller or whatever, you, you know, whatever it is, and getting drunk and acting like an idiot because I say I'm in Florida. And no, I was the same guy there. I was serving them. I was opening up a door because it was difficult for some others to come up. And I knew that as soon as I told them that I was a minister, their tone changed, their attitude changed. Now all of a sudden they went from talking out loud to whispering. And I told my wife, I said, you know, isn't it sad (laughs) that so many in our society today live two different lives? We act different. when we should just be the same all the time. And so be careful what your standards are and how you act outside because I love having fun. I can be fun, wild, and crazy. I I mean, that's just life. Just because you're a pastor does not mean or you're a Christian or you hold a position in the church does not mean you lose your sense of joy. I love life, and I love living it to the fullest. Listen, if that wasn't the case, I also wouldn't own a cleaning company and clean toilets for a living. But that's what I love to do. And I'm thankful for this church that that provides for their pastor and his family because I love you for that. And you allow me to have the privileges of doing both. So we see, number two, a scriptural example. And number three, God himself sets the example for the right balance in speaking truthfully. He orders deceptive measures in warfare. And we talk about the life of Gideon. There was Gideon and, and, uh, you know, he was going into war and he listened to the Lord, but he didn't fabricate what took place. He listened to exactly what was going on. And may I make a correction on the podcast? When I made the comment about Samuel, I needed to make the comment. It was about Gideon and, uh, and him going into battle. So uh, that is an error on my part. So we'll retract what I said in the very beginning over Samuel out of chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. So, But we see that Gideon was an example, and he went in to fulfill what God the Father told him to do in order to free the nation of Israel. And so uh, he orders deceptive measures in warfare, but these are in matters of war, of saving a life, not everyday life. Now watch this. Lying is a lot like killing. It's permitted in war, self-defense or capital punishment, but it is murder in cold blood. So when you lie, it's the same way it can destroy, it can hurt the person that you're trying to minister to because you were not truthful. And so, number four, the general principle, God hates lying lips. Now, if you would, please turn in your Bibles, since you're in Proverbs, go to Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22. And I think we all need to really kind of adapt and come accustomed to what this has to say. I love this because it should be our reminder as Christians. 
Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. But those who act faithfully are his delight. Withholding or summarizing information is not necessarily lying. So what we have to understand is that God delights in those that are faithful and live a life of righteousness. If you're living a life of righteousness and right living, then you have found favor with God. And so many withhold information or they won't tell the whole truth or they'll summarize it and they'll be dishonest. How about just don't say anything? So here's where we're at. How we become habitual liars. Seven levels adjusted from an essay written by Sarah Sumner in Christianity Today. Listen closely. Seven levels of lying. One, you lie for self-benefit or to protect self-esteem. Two, you tell more lies to cover up the original lie. Three, you develop a habit of lying. Four, you become self-deceived and believe your lies. Five, you rationalize that bending the truth works good. Number six, you develop the technique of latching onto isolated words and phrases or what was said in other contexts. Have you ever met people like that? Here's what you said. Here's what you did. No, you just took it out of context. How many of us have ever said that? We've all been there. Stop. Let's rewind this and let's review what was actually said. Number seven, you think it is your duty to lie to maintain or improve things. You then try to prove hypocrisy in others as a way to manipulate. Oh, they're a hypocrite. What? So you can manipulate them to do something otherwise you don't want. You said your church believes in compassion. Well, why won't you give money? You are hypocrites. I always love that. I hear that all the time from people. The church is full of hypocrites. So you know what my comment is? Well, I want to come to your family because if they're all perfect, I'm hanging out with you people. We're not hypocrites. I want to applaud all of you. You are here today to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because one thing we all realize, we're all sinners. Saved by the grace and blood of Jesus Christ. We are all sinners. And so we continue. Here's the truth. There are many avenues to express compassion, and we cannot support them all. We don't exist to make you happy or satisfy your expectations. We don't exist to make you happy or satisfy your expectations. We do not perceive ourselves as liars, only others. That's hypocrisy. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2 says, Through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, we corrupt our memory of what actually happened. Isn't that amazing? We corrupt our memory of what actually happened, so we start to believe it. And remember when we started off the message, we said then they become habitual liars because you fabricated it. Live a life that's honorable and holy before God because he expects that from you and I. Lying permeates our lives. Be careful to lie. Be careful to just excuse behavior. We've all been there. Third, Addressing the liar within us. Remember last week when I said, and Thomas said unto him, in, in John chapter 14, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by me. He's truth. He exemplifies truth. 
You see, when we understand that the Holy Spirit is truth, and that the Spirit is truth, in verse 6 of 1 John chapter 4, then Satan fills our hearts to lie. See, in absence of light, we have darkness. In absence of the Holy Spirit, we have the influences of the world. And so what we've got to do is we've got to permeate and allow the Holy Spirit to, I always love the word, cover us and anoint us. You know, when Aaron was anointed, they poured oil buckets full on him. That's how I always feel about the Holy Spirit and the spirit of truth. When it anoints us and allows us to to have a covering, then we get to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lying is a characteristic of the lost, and surrender to lies suggests a lack of regeneration. Revelation 22.15 says this, Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral, and murderers and idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices or makes up lies. If you're making up lies to make yourself look good, you need to stop telling those lies. That's the word. Amen? So we need to start living a life of truth. People have said about me, well, one thing about you, Pastor, you'll speak the truth in love. I always love that. You'll speak the truth in love. Well, that's what the Scripture says, but people don't like that. See, in America today, you all have an opinion. Everybody's allowed to have an opinion. But if you live your life on the Word of God, that's the only opinion or the only truth that really matters. So do we live a life of hypocrisy saying, yes, we are Christian, but we don't practice Christ's likeness. And so it just accommodates our, our lifestyle and so that it makes people think, wow, look at them, they're a Christian. Or do we truly live a life of surrender to what God wills? For each and every one of us. So here's some suggested steps and then we'll be closing. I love what the scripture says. God gives grace to the humble then he resists the proud. Repent and mourn is what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 10. One, repent and mourn over what you've done. Quit being so pompous. I hate, I mean I loathe when somebody just cannot say I am sorry. How about this? Let's practice it together. Let's do it as a congregation. I am sorry. And then the next thing to free us from the offense, we say, please forgive me. And that gives the opportunity for that person to release that offense that they might have with you. And we can't say we're sorry because it's not in our DNA. I hear that too. It's very difficult for me to say I'm I'm sorry. They will not say it. They will not say it. But yet I really do believe that we must repent and it will make it easier for you to say, I am sorry. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we shall confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. With a shout of amen, do you want to be more righteous and walk in Christ? Amen. Our desire is that we just need to go to him and say, you know what? These are the sins and the problems that I have. Help me, God. Put aside my pride and just humble me. Help me to be more like you and less like me and the world.
Number two, determine to use precise words or accuracy to be accurate. Okay, I'm going to confess something to all of you. Instead of saying there were eight, I will say ten. One thing I've been practicing over the last couple months is to be more precise. Because you see, when you have a wife like mine, if I say ten, she will say, no, it was $8.93. Okay, Beck. That's always been for 25 years we've been doing that, haven't we? Well, that plane ticket was $212.43. I'll say, well, we spent two fifty on that plane ticket. She'll say, no, we didn't. We spent $2 or $212 and what did I say, 42 cents, whatever it was. And so accuracy does help. Start practicing accuracy in your Christian life, and you'll start to notice that really, you know, when you're thinking, yeah, I'm flying to Europe, and it cost me $5,452 when it really cost you 1500 It just makes it easier. And it's something, because I know I've been practicing it in my own life, trying to be more accurate with how I say and communicate things to people. Use biblical words, but define them as used in Scripture. For catch yourself and correct yourself, or apologize and restate what you just said. As I did just a few minutes ago. I'm sorry, I need to clarify something about Samuel and Gideon. You know, sometimes when you're up here preaching, it just comes out and you're, I didn't put it in my notes, and so I got both of them, you know, messed up. We have to admit, yes, I'm wrong. Have I made mistakes in this ministry? You better believe I have. Have I had to say, I'm sorry? You better believe I have. Because I, I don't want God's favor. You know, for me, it is so encouraging. There's, you know... A pastor desires to see his people at church. And I know that over the summer, sometimes it's hard because people are on vacation and people are doing things. And, and that's why we all get, it's called back to school Sunday in September. Because everybody's like, yes, they're all back in school and pastors get to see their family again. Because there's so much stuff that goes on. And we know that. But yet, you know, it's, it's difficult for us. And so, you know, we'll have a tendency. The other day I, I ran into a pastor who said, how many people are, do you guys run? And we were just discussing back and forth because of a split that he went through. And I was trying to give him words of encouragement. And he said to me, well, in the winter months we run. That's not what I asked. I asked right now, you know, how are things going since the split? I don't want to know what happened back in 2015. You know, let's not do that. Let's try to see where we're going to work forward from here. And so we have a, have a tendency of doing that instead of, uh, of really being clear about what we're saying. And uh, what number was I on? Do you remember? Use biblical words. That's right. But define them. Use the scripture. Catch yourself and correct yourself to apologize or reset. Number five. Be fair about the context in which something was said. Lying is selfish, so put yourself in the shoes of the person you are tempted to lie to. Now we're on to number seven. Be forthright about uncertainty of facts or memory. And it is really okay not to be sure about something, okay? So, so be very careful. Number eight, ask a friend to hold you accountable. That is very, very difficult. Would you guys agree? Having somebody hold you accountable, that's hard. You know, one thing we don't want to do, we don't want to go to our spouse and say, I need you to be my accountability partner. Oh, I've been waiting for this for 15 years. (laughs) Finally, I got a great opportunity just to say you're wrong. You know, not not that, but we need to make sure that when we have an accountability partner that we go to that person, they're forthright and honest, and they tell us exactly, you know, what is best for us. And then we understand it in love. 
Number nine, if you cannot speak the truth, say nothing at all. And number ten, if possible, practice your comments in advance. I don't look at Michael and say, hey, Michael, I prayed for you this morning. That was a lie. Because I didn't. You know, we need to be careful what we say to people. Either I did or I didn't. Just don't say nothing at all. I don't need to be, as the Bible says, superfluity. I don't need to be a man who speaks, you know, eloquently just to say, oh, I need to practice my position. It isn't that. This position, I was called. I looked at Pastor Roberto this morning. I said, when were you called? He said, 15. I said, so was I. And I love, and isn't it funny, David, have you not noticed the, the, the pattern throughout Scripture? God always calls the young men because their hearts are free. And he knows at that point he can start to use us and mold us to be more like him. And then here's the last point. How can we help other believers to whom we are close to not to lie? Here's five things. When facts do not gel, ask for a harmonization. Bluntly state you are not satisfied with their explanation. Three, do not let others manipulate you. Four, correct their foggy terminology. And five, try to be fair, and that will make it easier for them to be fair. In our life, may I just encourage you today, we looked in the scriptures. And in closing, I just want you to know that you too can live a life of righteousness. You remember what the scripture says? Be ye holy, for I am holy. In closing, God considers lying a very serious matter, regardless of whether the consequences of that lie are immediate and deadly or not. Remember we started off the service this morning with Proverbs chapter 6, where it says there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him, a proud look, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among his brothers. Yet as much as God hates lying, I doubt, I really doubt that there is a church or any group of people where there is not a large contingency of liars present. May I suggest that many of you have probably already lied to someone this morning. And that's sad. We're not allowed to be honest today. We have to fabricate. We have to, to, to make things seem extreme. Years ago, I did a message called Excuses, Excuses. I hear them every day. Let's just try to be honest. Let's try to live a life of righteousness and holiness. We don't know what the outcome is, and who cares? Stop fearing what the outcome is going to be, and just be honest. Be honest with yourself. So that people will not have to say to you, liar, liar, pants on fire. Your nose is as long as that telephone wire. We don't need them to say that. So what steps are you taking to help yourself and help others to be free before God and others? This morning, will you turn your heart towards him?
If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you come to Him today? Today is your day of salvation. This is your appointed time. If maybe God brought you here and we don't know why, then you just surrender to whatever it is He wants you to make right. We have an altar call where you can come down here, you can pray. You can pray in private. You can pray however you want. You can sit in your chair. You can pray and just bring your heart. And listen, I don't want the ushers to move until the end of the altar call. So wait until the end of the invitation and you can take your place for offering. But I I look at sometimes the altar call as a place that's serious. Bow your head, just close your eyes. And and as we sing the song, it's a beautiful song called Hungry. And as we cry out to him, we realize that, that in the depths and despair of our own life, you know what? We're all sinners. So you, nobody sitting next to you is any different than anybody else. But would you just come to him today and would you give your life to him and, and try to live more of a pure, holy life? I can't say, you know, I don't go around and go, oh, I have a holy church with holy people. We don't. We have imperfect people that serve a perfect God. And yet we're reminded that through, through scriptures that are, when we lie, that our fellowship is separated from God the Father. So don't allow the sin to ruin your fellowship with Him. Would you confess to Him today? Would you come to Him today? Let's all stand as we pray. Father God, we love You and we just thank You that this morning we can come to You. Father, thank You for for the Word. Father, thank You for the reminder. Lord, putting our whole congregation aside, Lord, may each and every one of us realize Our role as Christians. We don't need to lie. If we make $8 an hour, we make $8 an hour. We don't make $10 an hour. Because, God, you've provided that job for us. If you make $500 an hour, it doesn't matter, God. It's all relevant. It's the same. God, help us in our Christian lives to be better men of God and be better women of God. To be greater children of God. Lord, thank you for the reminder today that you despise a lying tongue. So, God, thank you that we can share our emotions and our feelings with you and say, God, this is how I feel. Nobody else understands. They'll never understand, but, God, I can come to you. Father God, if there's somebody here today that that needs you, may they come to you. Maybe in their relationship, maybe they're dealing with some hang-ups, hurts, maybe some habits, maybe some things where they just need to say, God, we need you in our relationship and in our life. Father, we open it up. Lord, for you just to to, to pour out your blessings and your provisions from the throne room. So, Father God, we will receive it this morning. In your holy name we pray. Amen.